I'm Rob Skinner, and this is the Rob Skinner Podcast. Today, I'm going to talk to Ron and Lavanya Drabo. Ron was converted in 1978 and Lavanya in 1979 in Tampa, Florida. They were married in 82 and went into the ministry in Columbus, Ohio, at the campus at Ohio State University. They moved to Boston in 86. Then they went to lead the church in Johannesburg, Johannesburg, Republic of South Africa, in 1988. They led the church in Chicago from 91 to 95. They were in Los Angeles for a year, and then they, they've moved to Charlotte, North Carolina, where they live presently since 1996. They've got four adult children. Ron and Lavanya have a towering faith. And in this episode, they share about how they baptized hundreds of students at Ohio State University in the early 80s, how they took a demoralized campus ministry in Boston that had only baptized three in the prior six months, and then they baptized 80 in the next 10 months after they arrived, how they moved to South Africa in only a few years in apartheid South Africa, they grew the church from 70 to an attendance of 1,100. How a doctor told them that only God's intervention would help them have kids. And through their faith, they had twins. When they moved to Chicago, they had 3,500 baptisms in the course of four years. Ron and Lavanya walked through their relationship with God and what has helped them to develop amazing faith. All this and more on the Rob Skinner Podcast. Welcome back to the Rob Skinner Podcast. My goal is to inspire you to live a no regrets life, make this life count, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. Ron and Lavanya, welcome to the program. Great to be with you, Rob. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. I've heard your name so many times over the past 30, 35 years, and your, your time in South Africa, your faith example, I've used your your life in sermon illustrations for for decades, uh, and it's one of the most inspiring that I've I've ever heard. And I look forward to talking more about it. How'd you guys become Christians? I was introduced to the Church of Christ as a young teen. My mother had passed away when I was twelve, and uh, the minister that was at the I grew up in a town of like five thousand people, so everybody knew everybody, and that's a good thing, but it can be kind of challenging as well. But um, the minister at the church there went to school with my dad. And so he really reached out uh, during that time. And then, uh, of course, then two years later, uh, my dad had remarried. And uh, so we, as a family, started going to this small Church of Christ. So that was my first interactions with the Church of Christ. And then uh, went to school for a couple of years locally, and then I, the minister there, the youth minister said, hey, you know, you need to find a place where there's a good campus ministry, because he had heard about the Crossroads Church and all that was going on there, and then I think there was also a group that was in Tampa, 
well, I wanted to go to University of Florida because that was the place to be. Mm-hmm. So, but I didn't get accepted. Well, I did, but it was two weeks before school was supposed to start. I don't know what happened. You know, there's no, there were no emails, no texts. You know, it was snail mail, all everything. So, um, so I don't know what happened there, but I ended up going to the University of South Florida in Tampa, and uh, that is where. I really saw people authentically and genuinely living out the scriptures. Mm. Um, I don't know if I didn't pay too much attention about it when I first started going to church, but I really saw it there. And of course, that's where I met Ron. So I know why I ended up at University of South Florida, because that's where we met. But that's the other story. So anyway, but I became a disciple in May of 1979. Okay, great. And for myself, Rob, uh, uh, I was baptized in 1978 in uh, Tampa, Florida at the uh, Sunrise Church of Christ. Uh, Growing up uh, in uh, upstate New York, in Syracuse, New York, uh, I obviously was uh, really used to cold weather, (laughs) long winters, you know, um, six, seven months of... uh, frigid cold and uh, dark gray. And so as I was going through high school, uh, I was like, okay, wherever I'm going to go to college, uh, I'm going either to uh, California, Arizona, or to Florida. And uh, so I started applying uh, to different schools then, um, not knowing at all what God had uh, in store. And so one of the schools that uh, responded back was the University of South Florida in, in Tampa. And so I said, you know, that's where I'm going. I'm going to Florida. I'm going warm weather. <laughs> I've had, you know, uh, enough of the cold. And so anyway, I wound up uh, going to, uh, to school at uh, the University of South Florida. Interesting, Rob, uh, when I moved down there, um, since I applied late, uh, I wasn't able to move into the, the residence halls, the dormitories, uh, right away. So they put me in temporary uh, dorm housing. And uh, after about three, four weeks, um, I did get moved into a particular dorm. Now, here's the sad part. I actually, though I was you know, uh, a non-Christian, uh, I prayed to God. I said, God, if you get me in this one particular dorm, now I'm really going to date myself, okay, because... It was the only co-ed dorm on campus. (laughs) And I I actually prayed to God and said, God, if you get me into that one co-ed dorm, obviously my heart was not pure or in the right place. But I said, God, if you do, then I promise uh, I will really try hard to go to church, you know, uh, on a regular basis, you know. And um, so uh, lo and behold, Three, four weeks later, I get an assignment. Oh, there's an opening for uh, for you to move into the dorm. And it was that one co-ed dorm. It was called Alpha Hall on uh, South Florida's campus. Well, God not only got me to move into that co-ed dorm, uh, and I was so excited, but as I was moving in, uh, a young disciple uh, meets me in the parking lot as I'm Got, got my suitcases and everything, and I'm, I'm moving into the dorm. And uh, he says, hey, can you need some help? You know, and I was like, uh, 
wow. Of course, being from New York, I was a little suspicious here. Right. You know, why is this guy so friendly? But anyway, uh, I said, sure, I needed some help. So he helped me move in. And, uh, and I actually lived on the, uh, uh, the floor about two doors down from where he was. And uh, so at the end of our time together, as he helped me move in, he, he shared you know, about Jesus with me and invited me to, at that time, what was a, uh, not a Bible talk, but a soul talk. Uh, And a soul talk was just, again, just your Bible discussion, you know, helping people to, uh, you know, learn about uh, God and uh, to come to a relationship to God. And so he uh, says, look, I'd love to invite you to a soul talk. Uh, You know, it's a Bible discussion that we have uh, uh, late late at night you know, during the week, uh, 10 o'clock, he said, after students have studied, it's in my dorm room. And, uh, you know, I said, you know what? Um, you know, I think I'm going to go to that. Mm. And, and here's the reason when I was going to school, my dad, my dad had told me, uh, trying to give me some spiritual advice. Uh, you know, he said, look, you know, son, when, uh, uh, when you get down to school there, maybe you want to look up like a, uh, since we were uh, from a Catholic background, he said, look up this uh, club called the Newman Club, which was kind of the uh, activities for the Catholic Church Bible study type thing. And he said, that way, if you ever uh, need someone to talk to or get in trouble or anything like that, that you, you know, you could go and uh, talk with them. So when, uh, when the brother invited me to the Bible study, I thought, oh, okay, that'll be my thing. I can go to that and if I ever need someone to talk to and I can tell dad, you know, and he'll feel great. And so I wind up going to that Bible talk and, um, from the very first Bible discussion, it was a, it was a study on Galatians chapter five, 19 to 21, the acts of the sinful nature. And, uh, as I was going to that, uh, Bible study and I had planned to go out, uh, you know, to the bars with my friends after, after that study, I said, no, I can't, I'll meet you later. uh, Because uh, I had something to take care of, which was the Bible study. And here the the whole Bible study is on, you know, the acts of the sinful nature and uh, how these particular sins, you know, separate us from God, you know, and take us away from them. I was so convicted. uh, I was so cut, so humbled. uh, And, uh, you know, just uh, from that point, um, you know, studied the Bible, uh, with, uh, the friend who had invited me, uh, but it took about five, five, six months of uh, studying with me. And, uh, in fact, uh, during those six months, Rob, I don't think I ever went to a Sunday morning service, you know, just studied the Bible, um, you know, with this individual, I would go to like, a once in a while, uh, like a midweek service, or I think they even had Sunday night services back then. And so I might attend some of them, but I would never go to a Sunday morning service because I thought, no, I, I can't do that, that that would be admitting, you know, that uh, I need to make this change or need to be part of that church. But long and short, uh, after studying for about five or six months, you know, I saw my need, uh, you know, for Jesus and, uh, just uh, fell in love with them at that point and uh, decided to, uh, you know, repent and be baptized That's and awesome. uh, become, a, become a disciple. So that was back in 1978. 
Okay, so who was your campus minister? Did you have a campus minister from Gainesville there, or was it something unrelated? Um, I did. Uh, at that time, uh, Dave Valiente uh, was the campus minister, and uh, Martin uh, Bentley uh, was the uh, evangelist, I guess you'd say, the minister of, of, the, uh, of the church there in Sunrise. And uh, then later on, uh, uh, Steve Pipkin, was okay. the uh, campus minister. Okay, so how did you guys get together? Uh, well, again, see, even though I was praying to God to get me into this co-ed norm, you know, so uh, not for, like I say, the, the most pure or godly reasons. Well, guess what? You know, I get to move into that dorm and I get to be right where the Bible talk is right on that floor. And uh, I also get to meet uh, the, uh, the woman of my dreams. Mm. She lived in that co-ed dorm, <laughs> Lavanya, and uh, she had come to school actually uh, the following semester after I was converted, you know, the, in 78, she came to school in 79. And, um, and so uh, she lived in that dorm. So it was through, through the ministry and uh, actually being in the same dorm too, that we actually met. Okay. So then you guys got married, what, 82? So a little bit of time passed. Right. Right. Um, yeah. So we uh, obviously finished school. Right. Right. So we didn't uh, start dating right away. You know, we, we were dating around, I guess, for, oh, I don't know, maybe a couple of years. Yeah. yeah you okay. Know. And okay. then, then started our, our dating relationship. And, and then after graduating from school a year, uh, we were married in 82. Okay. What, now, why did you guys choose to go into the ministry? Uh, well, you know, that's, that's a, that's a really interesting question because, uh, I knew that, you know, as a, as a disciple, young disciple, uh, one that I just wanted to have the greatest possible impact for God, you know, and for the church or for his kingdom, you know, in my life. And uh, I saw that uh, perhaps, you know, going in the ministry, obviously that would give me the opportunity to do this full time around the clock, mm. you know. Um, and uh, so it, it became uh, a desire of mine, if that was God's will, you know, that God, if you open the door for me to go in the ministry, boy, I'll run through it because uh, I just see it as the, uh, you know, that opportunity, not that, not that everyone else cannot have and should not have a great impact in their life. And we all can, but uh, no matter what we're doing in life, um, but uh, I just saw that as the opportunity to have the greatest impact. And um, in dating with Lamania, that's what I always would tell her. I said, you know, that, uh, you know, I, I know that, uh, you know, that she loved God and, uh, and uh, without a doubt, you know, I could see that. But I said, I do know that, you know, if and when we, we get married, you know, that that is what I would want, to, want us to do is to serve God, you know, in, uh, in that capacity. And I said, are you willing, you know, to, you know, to, to give God your heart and let's, let's serve him in that ministry. If, if it's his will, uh, and anywhere in the world, I says wherever he would take us, mm. you know, and she said, you know, absolutely, you know, that she would want to do that. So, uh, that's, that, that was pretty much 
I think the reason and why. Yeah, I was just gonna say that it wasn't like this burning desire, I have to be in the ministry. Right. Uh, I do know that if that's what he wanted, I wanted it as well because I wanted it to be where we were together. Right. Um, and it's just, it's been very, very fulfilling. I have loved every minute being in the ministry and um, loving God that way and serving God that way. Uh, it's not always been easy, you know, being in the ministry. Sometimes it's like, uh, wow. Is this what we signed up for? Right, exactly. <laughs> but anyway, it was, um, I think at the time, you know, I was in love. I was in love with God. I was in love with Ron and wanted to do something special. And I knew as a disciple, you give up everything, you go anywhere, you do anything, you know, for God. If that meant being in the ministry, being out of the ministry, whatever it was, we wanted to serve God. Yeah. Okay, so how did you guys end up going to Boston? Well, um, you know, uh, first of all, after we uh, graduated from school, you know, it was about a year, then we got married. Uh, and as we were uh, uh, dreaming for the opportunity to go in the ministry, the opportunity came up to um, interview, if you may, uh, for a campus ministry job in Columbus, Ohio, at Ohio State, um, with a, a congregation uh, that was called the Northland Church of Christ, and uh, so we uh, we interviewed there and uh, and uh, were hired to work as a campus minister and partner there in in that uh, campus ministry, and then after about uh, serving there for about four years and God working incredibly and powerfully and uh, with that campus ministry uh, seeing lots and lots of people become disciples in a campus ministry that uh, was was having oh gosh I don't even know I think it it, it grew to well well over a you know, hundred students and um, and seeing uh, you know all of that happen uh, again we we still wanted to uh, be able to, uh, you know, plant churches or start churches or or lead congregations, you know, anywhere in the world. And so when we saw all that was happening in Boston, you know, with the training, uh, that really became uh, a desire of ours, you know, that we wanted to be trained and sent somewhere in the world. And we saw uh, a great opportunity for that to be trained even more and to have the opportunity to go somewhere in, in the world by uh, going to Boston. And uh, so we, we moved after about, what, four years, I think. Yeah. I think in 86, 1986, moved to Boston. You're at Ohio State. You've got 100 students on campus. You're baptizing like crazy over the course of four years. Why, why do you feel like the need to go and get more training? I mean, if that were the case today, people would be going to you to try to figure out, you know, how, how do you do it? How can I imitate you? What, what was driving that the desire for more quote unquote, more training? Well, I, I think, uh, Rob, it, it was combination. Like I said, I think it, yeah, it was the desire for more training. Um, 
and it was the desire to have the greatest possible impact, mm. you know, in God's kingdom, that, 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 that dream, you know, and, and that fire inside of you, you know, that's what, uh, you know, you wanted to do. And you saw the opportunity uh, to get more training and to possibly have even a greater impact, you know, uh, through that training that was going on in Boston, because, you know, we saw, you know, and, and heard so many great things that were happening there and churches that were being sent out, you know, all over the world. And, uh, okay. So how, how did you hear about stuff that was going on in Boston? I mean, now you'd hear about it, whether it's emails or social media or I mean, back then, what were you hearing and how were you hearing it? Yeah. I think just talking with people that we knew from, from Tampa or, you know, you hear, obviously you hear through the grapevine because it's not going to be on Instagram or Facebook or emailed. I think we even got the, uh, uh, newsletters Mm -hmm. as well. And I know for me, it was more, I think where we were, we didn't know how to take what we had and then send it out. Does that make sense? There was a, a training that I believe that we needed to be church builders and church planters Mm. like how to plant churches and that sort of thing so i think that was a big draw as well and i you know honestly looking we're trying to remember as well but i think just we didn't see it that it would happen there it could have but we didn't see it if that makes sense right i I know that during that time there there was often friction between the campus minister and the church leader. How was your relationship with the church leader there in Columbus? You know, it was, it was good. Um, you know, our, our relationship was, was definitely good. Um, you know, we worked together. Uh, you know, there was definitely a, a willingness to share the uh, ministry load and a, and a willingness to work together. Um, I think even with the elders as well. Yeah, there were three elders, and they were really super. Yeah, they were they were they were great brothers, great guys. Um, you know, willing. The, but again, they uh, they really didn't understand a whole lot about discipleship. They were they were just good brothers that were uh, working hard and trying to uh, you know to do the best that they could as well to shepherd and to help build the church but didn't know a whole lot about taking it to the next level and, um, and being able to, uh, you know, uh, also, you know, send out congregations and, 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 uh, you know, and how, how to develop, you know, teams for that. Right. And so, so you, you wanted know, to, you wanted to move from campus ministry to more of a church wide platform. What, right. w- what was it like when you got to Boston? Can you explain the atmosphere? <laughs> yeah, that's that's a funny one, Lavanya. You want yeah. to share a little bit? We because um, we had these. I'm not going to share any specifics, but we thought, okay, we moved to Boston. This has got to be the hottest church ever. Like it was, it you know, 
you just think perfection, right? Right. <laughs> and we get in this house church and we're like, wait, wh what just happened? Mm -hmm. Did we? I actually said, did we make a mistake moving here? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I think the older you get, you go, you know what? Church is church and it's made up of imperfect people who have struggles and who have things in their life. And it just, I think it really taught us to just to love people where they were in their life and uh, didn't matter, you know, this, the big Boston church, you know, you know what you hear, but it's, you know, grassroots. It, I mean, we just, it's, it was a lot of fun though. It was, uh, that was our first experience, but we just, uh, we fell in love with the city, with the people and the campus ministry it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, not without issue, not without our issues, not with everybody's issues, but, um, but I think, you know, in that regard, it was great. I think for me, it was hard because I felt like I was, I felt like personally, I wasn't enough. And that was my issue and the things that I struggle with, because even to this day, I can feel that way, you know? So and I, I can share later about stuff with that, but um, how to grow in our faith. But I just think it was, uh, was a, it was a great time, but it was also very difficult. Mm. But we, we loved our time there. We were there a year and 10 months. So what, what were you guys doing during that time? Yeah, it, I was going to share too, Rob, my, my initial, uh, you know, thoughts when I was coming in, it was going to be this incredibly strong, every disciple just on fire doing right. great, you know, that's, that, that was what I, I don't know why, you know, but I, it's what I would have thought, you know, and uh, so like Levanya said, when we came in and we took over a house church that had a lot of struggles and people are hurting in, in, in a lot of different ways. Uh, you know, that was an eye opener. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, people are people. Christians are, Christians are going to struggle. Christians are, uh, you know, you're going to have uh, weakness uh, no matter where you go, you know, is I guess the realization there. Uh, and then after serving in this house church for a little while, and we really grew to, you know, to love the people there, um, you know, we were asked, very shortly, maybe a couple months, uh, to go and uh, take over the uh, leading the campus at uh, Northeastern, and uh, it was a combination of schools. I think Berkeley School of Music and uh, New England Conservatory, New England Conservatory, yeah, and as well as Northeastern. And so, the, and we, so when we got there, we go, okay, we're going to see this unbelievably fired up campus ministry. But that wasn't the case. You know, there was 20, 30 kids there uh, in that particular uh, ministry, and they had had uh, only three people baptized in the last six months, two of which had fallen away. And it was predominantly heavily slanted, you know, a, a lot more women than men. I think it was like two to one, maybe maybe 20, 20 women, 10 men. And, and, and there was a lot of weakness there too. And so we were like, Oh my goodness, you know? And so I, I got to tell you though, uh, we were like, okay, yeah. So got a lot of, of, of weakness and struggling things here. But I remember one of our first meetings with the campus, we told them, we said, guys, 
because you know we want to have worldwide impact we told them we said you guys are going to inspire the world and they looked at us like uh okay sure you know and i said no no god is going to work you know in all of your lives and it's he's going to do something really really special and i said okay and uh we told them again one of these crazy faith stories but we said uh all right there's been only three people that have been converted in the last six months we we just want you to know that uh god is 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 going to uh win a hundred people to christ you know in the next you know year in the next 12 months through all of you and he's and he's going to use you to do that and uh, i said we're going to pray for that we're going to believe in god we're going to trust god we're going to go after it and and we're going to be what we need to be so that god would have every chance for you guys to do that and they just looked at us like you know we were crazy we were insane and 10 months later we actually were going to we we leave boston to go to south africa and we can share about that some later but uh so we didn't quite have a whole year to finish out, you know, the dream, but uh, over 80 students had been baptized in those 10 months. Oh so we gosh. were right there on, you know, pace to see a hundred students, you know, being baptized. And it was the most incredible, you know, uh, time, you know, to see so many great folks becoming Christians and, uh, and God working powerfully. So, uh, but, uh, yeah, so I, I think the time in Boston was just, you know, uh, it was humbling, it was, but it was faith building, and uh, it, and it just showed us, no, there's weakness and there's challenge, no matter where you're going to go, you know, but you know, you can overcome, you know, you, we can all overcome and we can all win, you know, through our faith in Him. Wow. So, oh my yeah, gosh. I love seeing the. Um the looks on their faces when we went in there um because we were all kind of like okay what are we gonna do this wow because they were really defeated for whatever reason i mean we all get defeated at some point in time in our life you know uh, but to see their faith from where it was and to see how god used them i think was very faith building for them and for us mm. to to see that god he can use us no matter where we are in our life, no matter what we, we're, what we're going through, that God can still use us. So that was incredibly faith building um, to see it happen. And then to see their faces at the end of the time with them, they were just, it was like they were different people. Wow. So it was really, really cool. And we focused a lot on their relationship with God. Uh, we said, you have got, you know, we're going to have, we're going to be close to God. God's going to be our friend, period. And that, because with God, that's, that's how we're going to do this. Because otherwise it's just a number. Right. It's nothing without God. So. How did you guys end up going to South Africa? I mean, where, where'd that come, come from? Well, um, as you, as you know, Rob, back then, uh, there were uh, all kinds of possibilities of where you could go and be sent out, you know? And so at one point we were uh, 
talked to and uh, it was suggested, you know, to, uh, to go to Cairo uh, to do the church planning there, um, uh, which, you know, Bob Tranchel um, eventually went to, uh, Bob and Lori. And then uh, there was also discussions, uh, you know, that we might go to Buenos Aires, you know, uh, Mexico. Lima. And then uh, there was also a possibility that we could go to Lima, Peru which at that time was having all kinds of, uh, you know, we even started political taking Spanish. And, yeah. Turmoil and things <laughs> like that. So at one time we were being asked to consider to go there and just then all of a sudden, um, uh, it's funny. I tell this story, uh, was, uh, having a uh, discipleship time with, uh, with Kip and, um, and we we're talking and praying and just, you know, just, oh, what God is, is going to be doing. And he's praying a prayer and he starts praying, you know, uh, you know, uh, about me and uh, just, you know, give Ron faith, give Ron strength, give him courage. You know, uh, I really believe God, you know, and all these things I'm amening, right? In this prayer, yes, God, please. Yes. Give me the strength. Give me the faith. Give me great courage. He goes, cause I really believe that Ron could be one of our first uh, martyrs in the kingdom. And I was like, <laughs> at that point, I was like, you know, time, time out, time out, you know, wait a minute, Lord, don't hear that, you know, but, uh, uh, but it was, you know, I was like, okay, all right, whatever. And so, well, anyway, it wasn't long after that, that uh, he asked, uh, he says, bro, we have a real need uh, in Johannesburg, South Africa. The church had just been planted for, I think, maybe less than a year at that, or, you know, that maybe it was a year or two, maybe at that point. And uh, he said, we, we have a real uh, need. There's, there were, I think about 70 disciples at that point and um, in the church and uh, asking if we would go, you know, to, uh, to, to lead the church and, and to build churches throughout the country, you know, of South Africa. And um, so, yeah, it was shortly after that um, that he asked, um, that we got things ready. And I think it was only a couple months later and off we went and, uh, to, uh, you know, to take that congregation and, and, uh, see God work in a great way. How did you feel being asked to go to South Africa? Um, excited, nervous, mm-hmm. uh, I don't think scared, you know. Well, but, but we it, did but it was, see that movie, though. What was that name of that movie? The, Cry the, Freedom. Our, oh, Cry Freedom. Yeah. That one. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. So, all right. So, yeah. okay. But, yeah, it was it was a little scary, but it was exciting to, you know, Africa's just Africa. It's just mm-hmm. an exciting place to visit, to go there, to see the people. Oh. Just love the people there. Okay, so how yeah. old? How we old were in our, I think our late twenties. Okay, you know um, when we were uh, moving there to to take over that group, and uh, but uh, as far as uh, how we felt, my goodness, that was it, it was exciting because this was part of like what I had told you earlier. You know, of my my dream, wanting to have the greatest impact, and so I was seeing that as. It's God saying, okay, let's get ready, you know? And, uh, you know, so, yeah, so we were, we, I think we were overall, you know, really excited about seeing what God was going to do. What was it like walking into South Africa 
it's the very end of the apartheid era. Right. Um, the church obviously was going through a change there. What 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 was it like? What did what did you what did you experience? Wow. Um, you know, Rob, when we first got there, uh, it was eye opening. Uh, for one, it was like, you know, almost feeling like you were in a time warp, you know, because apartheid was still, you know, active and still on the books, though, like you said, though, it was coming down to the tail end. We went in 1988 and uh, Mr. Mandela was released from prison in 1990. And of course, the changes all began. The first Democratic elections didn't take place till I think, 94. And um, we were not there at that time. We, so we were only there. there three years. Yeah. So we were there from 88 to 91. while wow. It was still, you know, officially, you know, apartheid on the books. The first um, the first 30 days, Rob, we were there uh, in South Africa. A bomb went off in some public place, um, you know, throughout Johannesburg. Um, it might be a train station. Um, in fact, uh, uh I think six months before we were supposed to uh, get there, uh, City Hall or the place where the church was meeting uh, canceled the contract with, with the church. And the next Wednesday night, which would have been a time for a midweek service, you know, a bomb went off. And um, so that's like unbelievable. But, we, you know, we would see, uh, you know, that happening all over. And uh, so it was incredible you know, because obviously different political organizations were, were trying to create the instability, you know, uh, for the government there, you know, um, to, to try to bring about the change. Um, so yes, that was, uh, I think seeing that, uh, was, uh, humbling and sobering. Um, but seeing the racism and seeing the oppression of the African people, uh, that 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 was that was heartbreak, uh, you know. Um, so, uh, but like I said, it almost felt like a time war, you yeah. know, going back to almost the civil rights days in, in America, you know, with what you saw there. And, but uh, oh, one, and right after we were there, Rob, I, I, there was a situation uh, we hadn't been there maybe a month, no, barely a month, if that, and. Um, uh, I was on a phone call with a brother to the United States and uh, we were talking and uh, and right in the middle of our call. And like I said, I had just been there you know, a few weeks and, uh, you know, the police broke in to our phone conversation and identified themselves. And this is the South African police. We've heard everything you said and we'll be coming to pick you up. So I thought, wow, here I'm seeing all the bombs going off, all the oppression, you know, all these things going on. And then I get this, you know, phone call from South African police now realizing that my phone was tapped, you know, and bugged and that we were being watched and that I'm going to get picked up. And I remember, you know, he says, we'll be coming to pick you up. And then it, it clicks off, you know, and uh, of course, the brother on the other line, he's we both didn't know what to say to each other after that, you know, I'll pray for you, bro. he's like, bro, I'll be praying for you, man, you know? And so after I got off, I just kept telling Lavanya, I said, Lavanya, make sure you find out where they take me, you know, cause right. <laughs> I want to make sure, you know, that I'm not just left and forgotten. And, uh, you know, all day long, every time the doorbell rang, I thought it was them, you know? And then that night we had midweek service 
And uh, I got to tell you this is I'm getting ready to go uh, speak and teach a class, you know, uh, that night we were singing a song. And, and as I'm getting ready to go, I told some of the brothers about, you know, what had happened. And um, uh, so right before I'm getting ready to go up, uh, one of the brothers goes, hey, bro, I just want to let you know they're here. And I said, who's here? He goes, well, the police, they're out in the hallway and, you know, they're asking, you know, for you to go see them. And again, you know, I tell Lavanya, so now make sure, you know, <laughs> make sure you find out where they take me, you know. And uh, as I'm walking out, of course, the brother just uh, shouts out to me, just kidding, bro. Oh. You know? And I was like, oh, my heart oh my was like, gosh. I didn't know whether to, you know, to stand and sing and shout and rejoice or whether to strangle my brother. You right. Know? <laughs> so I was like, but, uh, you know, uh, they never came. Uh, but, you know, as we learned for our time there, um, they, you know, we were watched, we were watched, very closely. you know, uh, there's other stories I can tell you that, you know, uh, about that, but, you know, we were, we were always being watched and, and their thought was they wanted you to know that, you know, and using, you know, maybe intimidation or threats, mm. you know, to try to keep you in line. And, um, you know, so, uh, but yeah, so that was our initial experiences there you know, uh, all the instability through the bombing and, and, uh, you know, police breaking in on your calls and, you know, that, that type of challenge, but Melania. Yeah. I was going to say though, when, when you walk into the church in this country, that's so torn by racism and you walk into the church, it's just this whole different world. Mm. And the thing about it is it wasn't just black and white. It was tribes, mm. different tribes. So there were different tribes in the church that come together, even though they were in the world separate. Mm -hmm. And uh, to, to see what God was doing was just miracle after miracle after miracle, seeing people's lives and hearts change um, because of Jesus. Mm. And, uh, but I think just walking in and seeing the church was just the most incredible picture of God and his mercy and his grace and the unity. It was just, it was just really, really amazing to be with the people. And that's, you know, when we had to leave, it was just heart wrenching because mm. these, these people were our family because there were, again, to get a phone call through to anywhere to talk to anybody was hard in the country, much less calling someone out of the country. Right. Um, and they just, it was just family and it was just, it was just amazing. It was an amazing time. Yeah. People really had to count the costs, Rob, you know, to become a disciple during that time. And, and that's from no matter what background, you know, white, black, uh, whatever tribe you were from, because, uh, you know, the other culture, the other races would just see you as a traitor or as a sellout if you did become a Christian. Um, and uh, and because of all the division that was there, it, it, it was it was a huge cost to count, you know, um, for people uh, and yet so powerful so powerful to see so many come to Christ. Um, their, their, their hearts were exceptional and, and God was, God was working.
during that time, I think, mm. in a very, very special way. I remember, uh, you know, people even asking, like, well, what are you going to do? You know, I mean, when you go to South Africa, it's against the law for blacks and whites to be together. But the church had already, it, already, it already started meeting together that those, that it was up to about 70 disciples. And um, so I said, no, well, they're, they're allowing it and we're going to, we're going to continue to do that, you know, and if God wants to, you know, uh, uh, work in any powerful way, or if he wants to remove, you know, a president to bring about change or anything like that, remember saying, you know, that um, he'll do it, you know, and shortly after we were there, the particular uh, president of the country, President Bota, uh, suffered a heart attack. I'm not saying that, you know, that God brought that on. I'm just, I'm just telling you what happened, you know, and uh, he did suffer a heart attack. Um, and, uh, you know, he was okay and he survived that, but he had, he had to step down. And that ushered in bringing in the next man, uh, F.W. de Klerk, who after a short while then began the uh, negotiations with uh, Nelson Mandela to have them released and really began the whole dismantling mm. of apartheid, mm. you know, and uh, I just remember that. Wow. There you go. You know, that God will do whatever he needs to do, you know, uh, for his kingdom to be advanced when he finds, you know, uh, men and women that are going to put their faith in him, mm. you know? And, uh, so that, that again was another powerful, powerful thing. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because when I think about both of you, this, this whole theme of faith comes up over and over again. You guys have pretty amazing faith. One story that I've heard and I'd like to ask you about to verify is a um, story about cribs and twins and having challenges, having babies. Can you, can you fill me in here? Cause I'd, I've never heard from you directly about this story, but it's it's always been a real inspirational story for me. Okay. Well, you want to share about that? And I'll fill it in. Well, yeah. I um, We started this journey of uh, infertility. I call it a journey because it takes quite a while. We actually started when we were in Boston um, going through some things. And so I was really concerned you know, moving out of the country, what was it going to be like? Am I going to, okay, my chances are going to be really slim to none for sure now uh, moving to a foreign country because I didn't, you know, the medical thing, I didn't know any, we didn't know anything. We just left. So, but lo and behold, being in South Africa, that was probably one of the hot spots in the world for people to go to that had infertility to, to get help. I'm like, wow, God, again, wow. Mm. And uh, again, we see the hand of God with our move there. So starting that whole process all over again and getting with the doctor and running tests and stuff, he goes, well, the only chance you have is really if God intervened, we're like, Okay, <laughs> we have a huge chance then because that's we're gonna go for this. So, um, but yeah, so that's that was the whole start of you know the whole infertility journey, 
And uh, lo and behold, um, the doctor saying that and then wanting, saying that it's got to be God. And we're like, well, then it's going to happen. You know, and then we started to say, well, what, you know, let's pray for twins. You know, let's, let's just go for it. Why not? You know, especially if we didn't know if it was even going to happen at all. So why not just put all our eggs in the basket, you know? So, and that's where I guess the whole crib story came in. I can't remember if we bought cribs or somebody gave us t- cribs after we found out we were pregnant. I, you know what? It's been 31 years, so it's just, it's been a few years. Um, but yeah, that's how it all started. So do you want to fill in the... Yeah. No, I remember when the doctor said, uh, you know, the only chance you guys really have is if God intervenes and how excited I was. I'm like, well, this is fantastic, you know, because we have a God we know. Yeah. you know, that uh, will intervene. And so I think the, I, you know, likewise, I can't remember if we bought the cribs, if they were given or not. Uh, but I know we, uh, what we told the church was, you know, to all pray and we all were going to believe that God was going to, uh, you know, uh, bless us with children. And I believe twins, if, yeah. you know, for that matter as well. Um, and, uh, you know, and then God did, you know, uh, I was, Short time later, Lavanya, we get the great news that she's pregnant. And then I remember telling the church, though, we told the church, we didn't know it was twins at the time. We were just knew that I was pregnant. We told the church, they literally, people were dancing in the aisles (laughs) and like, it's just like, whoa, okay. They're really excited because this is something that they prayed for with us. They were going through it with us. You know, because we didn't have our families there and it was hard talking to them because we're so far away. So, again, this family that we had there and I just remember. And then when he got up and said, well, it's twins. And then it was just even more celebration. And when the Africans celebrate, they celebrate. I mean, (laughs) it's just... It's just this outpouring of just this joy and exuberance, and was a it was quite the experience. So, you're sharing about your your time at Ohio State. So many baptisms, so many people's lives changing. Then in Boston, just an amazing turnaround story. And then this story. This is what builds the legend of of the faith. How do how, where's this coming from? I mean, this, I hear stories like this and I go, wow, that seems like in a galaxy far, far away, a long, long time ago. I mean, it's, it's blow away. How do you grow in your faith? Where, where do you get this kind of faith? Wow. Um, it's a great question because it's, it's one that doesn't have just an easy answer, uh, you know, to, to develop faith and to keep faith, you know, is, uh, is a long, is a long process. And, um, you know, but for me, you know, uh, it comes back to, I I remember from early on in the ministry, Rob, uh, a a passage of scripture, you know, y'all have different scriptures that just, you know, really spoke to you, really impacted you uh, or helped you you know, in that regard. And the passage that, that, uh, 
you know, that had such a great impact on me was that um, in Hebrews 11, verse six, about it being impossible to please God without faith and that anyone that comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And I remember just, you know, looking at that, that passage and saying, you know, that you need faith in order to please God. And that really that God would reward those who would earnestly seek him. And it just came, became crystal clear to me. I said, you know, at that point, I said, God, you know, I may not have uh, the talent of this, this brother or this person or, or, or this individual. I may not have the intellect of, of this person or this individual or brother in the kingdom, uh, gifts, talents, whatever. And I said, but you know what I can have and what I do want is I can be a great friend, a special friend, close friend of God, mm. you know, because, you know, that passage just says, you know, that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And, and so it became crystal clear to me that, you know, what was crucial and critical in my life was that, uh, that I seek not the rewards, though I'm going to have dreams, but that I would really just seek the rewarder, you know, that I that I would look not just for blessings, but I would look for the blesser, um, you know, that I would want fellowship, not just favors, you know? And, and I said, that's, that's what God is, is looking for. He's looking for that friend of God, like Abraham. He's looking, you know, for the man after his heart, like David, he's looking, you know, for uh, the person that would just truly desire him and a connection with him. And so, that really, uh, I think, was a springboard for me in building my faith was that uh, if, if I was going to have the faith in God and see great things happen and, and also see, you know, just, you know, continuing to serve and love him no matter what's going on around you, that I needed that connection with him. And so, um, you know, that, that became the, the driving force for me. In, in developing faith was I, I realized I needed the connection with God, the closeness with God, the relationship with God to be my strongest, strongest area in my life. And, uh, and if I had that, my faith would grow. You know, if I had that walk with God, that friendship with him. So uh, like, how did you t- talk to me about your devotional practice? Like it, that, I mean, that's just, it's inspiring to say the yeah. least, but can you, can you break it down? Like, what does that mean specifically developing that relationship? I mean, these are, these are like some sound bites that blow my mind. You know, the blesser, not the blessings, fellowship, not favors, seeking the rewards, not the rewarder. But what did you start doing? Like what, tell me a little bit about what was going on for both you guys behind the scenes in terms of developing that kind of walk with God. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, there were a lot of things that, that there were a lot of decisions that I, uh, one, one decision was that, you know, God was going to be, uh, the priority for me, you know, and that can mean a lot of different things to all of us, but I said, God will be the priority relationship and the priority commitment, if you may, you know, uh, in my life. 
And so practical things like deciding, you know, uh, you know, that I would have regular early morning times, uh, even for hours, you know, uh, wanting to be with God, um, that I would, uh, you know, have special times with God, devoting just like you would in a relationship. You, you want regular time with any relationship that's going to be close, right? Well, I wanted regular time giving my heart to God and getting to know him. And I wanted special times with God. And so it, it would be everything from, uh, you know, late night prayers to all night prayers to special times with him to, to early morning times with him, you know, just, and that's what I've tried to, to maintain special times with God, sacrificial times with him, uh, you know, and that, I guess that would show itself in a lot of different ways, you know, over through the years, um, you know, cause I don't want to just say one thing because then people take that, Oh, that particular right. practice, right. you know, and they go, Oh, that's, uh, that's what I need to do. I need to right. spend this much time with right. God or I need to do that or, you know, but it's, it's not that it's, it's the desire to be close and the desire to have those special times with God. And, um, I mean, there are all kinds of things. I mean, just, you know, I, I would often have, uh, you know, a, a special time with God and, and, uh, and, uh, people would crack up cause they asked me about this, the honey nut cheerio time, which is for me was, uh, I, I would, you know, early in the morning, um, uh, I'd have my time with God. And sometimes what I would do is, is, uh, you know, spend time kneeling so, you know, that I could just be praising God and showing my, my respect and the reverence that I have for God. Then other times I'd say, no, I just want to walk, you know, because I also want this friendship with God, you know, and then other times I would have this, uh, I, I would set up the table, you know, and I would set up a uh, bowl of cereal, you know, over in this one chair and I would have my honey nut Cheerios, you know, in this other uh, seat and, and, and have a conversation with God, you know, of just believing that he's right there with me, you know, and uh, I wanted every aspect of this, you know, relationship with God, the friendship, the respect, uh, the partnership, you know, and so I, I would create a, a, a lot of special times like that, you know, uh, wow. to be close to him. And I really believe that that is such a key, Rob, for your faith is your desire to be with God making your relationship as special as it needs to be. Mm -hmm. Because if you're going to grow in your faith, you know, it's going to come from, right, your conviction, you know, and your closeness to God. You know, it's not going to come just because you have a dream. You know, uh, it's not going to become just because you know it's right. Um, you know, because you know, as we all know, we're in a battle, we're in a war, Satan is, is going to attack us, things aren't always going to go right, You're, you are going to suffer defeats in your life, uh, you are going to face all kinds of, of, of dark and difficult times, and for you to keep on going, it can't just be, oh, if, you know, the results, so, so to speak, the reward, it's got to be the rewarder, mm. that, and, uh, and that's what I've always believed, like when people say, well, how do you know where, when you, where you need to go, 
uh, in life? Do you need to move? Do you need to go in the ministry? Do you not? Do you, all of this, you say, I said, I always would stay open, whatever God would ask me to do, you know, I'm going to do, you know, and I'm going to go, I'm going to surrender and submit to that um, because it's him that I'm living for, you know, and it's him that I love. And when you continue to do that, God will, God will increase your faith, you know, as, as, as you're walking with him you wow. know, and surrendering to him. Yeah. The yeah I think for me, something that um, I just started doing probably at the beginning of this last year is when I'm praying is praying to God as a father. And I, it's almost like I, I sit in one chair and I'll have God sit next to me and Jesus is over here and the Holy Spirit's over there. <laughs> just kind of like have a conversation because especially with the Holy Spirit, it's kind of like this mystical thing that we really like, who are you? Like, I know you guide me and I know you're in my life, but specifically like, you know, because the three are one and, but, but different. Right. And so, and I haven't done a lot of theological studying on this. <laughs> I'll just clarify that. There you go. But I just thought, you know, God is like our dad. He is like our father and Jesus is our brother. He's our redeemer. He's died to he died for us. And the Holy Spirit is just, you live within me. You're this entity that guides me and leads me. So I kind of sit there with that thought and kind of sometimes I'll address one or the other. And I know hopefully that doesn't sound too weird. But anyway, that helps me right. to, uh, to, be, to grow more in my faith because... I've got these three at my disposal at any time. To me, that's faith building. Mm. Also, too, I think for me, you know, our life, yeah, you look back at our life and we're telling you all these things that God did, but there were times that were very dark. Um, yeah, we tell the story about our twins being born and how awesome that was. But three weeks later, the firstborn twin got sick and he died. Oh, gosh. And that, as hard as that was, it was very faith-building because even at, at that time, we had a decision to make. Are we going to live as faithful disciples? Are we going to be, like, like totally let this derail everything that God has been doing in our life? Mm. And we didn't want that to happen. And... But I tell you, the, there's a psalm that I read, and I think it, it applies to this in, in helping to grow my faith, is that because not everything is going to go perfect, you're going to be faithful one day and then like hopeless the next. But um, in Psalm 77, it says, I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me when I was in in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands, and my soul refused to be comforted. I mean, we've all been there. I remembered you, O oh God, and I groaned. It's like, oh, do I, why am I praying? Is, is he hearing me? Is he, I can imagine this, the psalmist just like, why am I doing this? Is he even there? Then it goes on. It says, will the Lord reject forever? 
Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? Then the psalmist goes, and then I thought, to this I will appeal the years of the right hand of the Most High. He made a decision there that he, what he was going to choose to remember. Mm. It says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will meditate on all your works and consider all your mighty deeds. And I think for me, remembering what God has done, meditating on what God has done, like really thinking through in the scriptures, what did God do? What did he do in the scriptures? What has he done in my life? Consider his mighty deeds. And that's not just something that you just kind of like, okay, for five minutes, I'm going to think about what God has done. Or It's like, this is something that needs to be a practice, I believe, in disciples' lives so that they can grow in their faith. You know, and I think for me also is just to be consistent with the basics. That's how we grow in our faith. Mm. Like doing what God says to do in his word, having our study time and our prayer time and loving people, loving God, loving people and serving and giving. And you know, I could go on and on, but those are some things I know that has helped me to grow in my faith because when I start remembering and when I consciously, intentionally get back to the basics all the time, that's when my faith grows, hmm. even in the dark times, because there will be dark times. You can count on it. I know when we're young, when we were young, it's like there's no stopping us. God's just with us, and but I think that, yeah, He is there's a part of life that life happens and sometimes it comes at you fast and this is where that being rooted in God you know having that faith in God that Ron talked about that's where that's where the rubber meets the road that's where our faith grows mm. oh, that's just... thank you how did you guys, what, and why did you leave South Africa? And can you just kind of share your journey up until the, the present time? Sure. Um, well, like Lavanya had shared, uh, here we were in South Africa, God doing all kinds of incredible things, churches being planted, you know, hundreds being baptized. And um, it, it, it was amazing. Uh, I think the church grew from, if I remember right, 70 or so disciples, 100 disciples to uh, over 600 disciples and 1,100 people coming out in just the two, three years, three-year period. And uh, churches being, in, uh, I think there were three churches at that time, all these things. And then, you know, we're on the mountaintop because of the victory of you know, uh, God giving us our, our twins. And then as she shared just a few weeks after that, you know, um, waiting for our, our, our two boys to come home um, because their lungs hadn't fully developed yet. So they were still in the hospital. Then getting that call that day and, uh, you know, being told, 
you know, you need to get here to the hospital. Your, your son's not going to make it. And, um, and I remember, uh, you know, uh, going into the room that, that night, knowing people were praying all over the world because they, we had told them about it. And, uh, but, um, going into that room and telling my son, Joshua, who was what, three weeks old at the time and 17 days, I believe. And, and, uh, just telling him, you know, how much I said that I loved him, but how much that, you know, I love our God. And I remember telling him that I'll, you know, I will see you again. I promise you that, you know, because, and I promise you, I will love our God, you know, the rest of my life. And, uh, and I'll be, I'll be surrendered to him so that I can not only see him, but I, and I'm holding his hand telling him, but, but so I will see you too, you know, and, and, uh, after that, when we went home that night and we prayed and we, you know, uh, gave our son back to God and we, thanked him for, you know, a few weeks that we had with him and uh, gave him back, and, you know, and said, God, we, we surrender, we surrender to you. And it was right after that, <laughs> very soon after that, right? Yeah, within like two months. Two within, months. Yeah, within a couple of months. Um, there was a need. We were asked, you know, we, uh, we really, really need you uh, to, to come to Chicago. At the time, Chicago was church uh, I think about 15, 1700 disciples. And, uh, we, we need you to help. We need you to lead the congregation there and to help lead the, uh, our fellowship of churches in the Midwest. And I remember like, wow, you know, like, uh, said, no, uh, I'm not doing it. Yeah. First the says, no, no. Tell, tell them, no, no you know, we're, we're, we're you know, we're here, we're, we're with, the family of churches and the brothers and sisters that we love so much and that have loved us and have really been such family for us, you know, during this difficult time. And, uh, but then, you know, uh, I remember talking with the brothers and, uh, and you know, and I remember, uh, you know, you know, just talking with them and them saying that, uh, Ron, you know, you, you signed up, right. That you, that you would love God and that you would, you would give up anything. You would go anywhere, and you would, you would be his. And I said, "Yeah, I did." And they go, "We really believe that this is where God wants you and where God needs you." You know, and I'm like, "Wow!" You know, yes, I did say that. And even though we were still kind of hurting, you know, and uh, you know, still grieving, obviously, you know, um, but you know, we said that's right we would surrender. So that's how we wound up going to Chicago, you know, and uh, is that we said, yeah, we'll go. And, uh, and that was amazing because, you know, we gave our heart to God and gave our heart to the brothers and sisters there and saw ridiculous things happen <laughs> as well as many hardships as yeah, well. So you it's know. Not, it's not yeah. You know, there were, there were a yeah. lot of challenges. So, I think in the four years then there were, I think 3,500 people that were baptized. Oh my it was, gosh. It was a thousand people a year. 
you know, that's crazy. You can't like, you can't, like you, you can't. can't. When people say, what was that? You oh, go, all you can say is it was God. It was the Holy Spirit. It, it was, it was just him moving, yep. you know, and to see all those people become Christians. Um, but it was because, you know, I, I really believe God just chose, you know, to pour out his spirit and to pour out his blessing because we said we're surrendered to you. And, and I'm not, please don't hear me say that, oh, if you give your heart and you surrender, then all these things, <laughs> you know, necessarily happen. I believe God did it. And I believe God re responded to that surrender. But, you know, but God will give you the strength. God will give you the courage. God will give you the relationship, you know, to carry you through whatever happens in the future. And because you're going to need that because there will be times God's going to call you and you're going to go through a, you know, a 40 year wilderness, you mm. know, and you've got to be faithful during that time. Right. You know, and, uh, and if, if you stay surrendered, then God will give you that strength and give you that relationship to get through that as well. Wow. Okay. So then after that, you were in Los Angeles and now uh... yeah, Los Angeles and then, and uh, now we've been in Charlotte. Can you believe that? For 25 years. <laughs> so, after all these moves. Yeah. Uh, having been here in, in, in Charlotte for all that time. And uh, just uh, in, incredible. Uh, it's been an incredible ride. Not having all these great numbers, you know. Right. You know, there have been, you know, hundreds of people baptized over those years. But uh but it's not been, you know, where it's had these explosive numbers right. of conversions. And yet, you know, uh, we've seen God work, you know, in many, many different ways in people's lives, in our lives. Our family. In our yeah. family. Uh, we've seen incredible miracles take place during that time. Uh, people that have become Christians. And, uh, uh, but we've also seen lots of challenges, lots right. of hard times. But staying faithful right uh, uh to god and believing him you know for you know for the best moving forward Lavanya. yeah i was going to say the you know you had asked the question or whatever growing in our faith and of course making this life count mm. and uh i can't i know when i was a young christian you know younger and you read the story about caleb and how you know he's 85 now and he's still like I can get out there on the battlefield and I can fight and I used to go wow that is just so cool I can't wait to be able to you know and then it's like okay I'm I'm closer to 85 now than I was way back then <laughs> do I still feel this way but I think yeah it's like we have to no matter where we are in our life whatever stage we're in whether we're you know, young and not married and, or older and not married, or you're married with these kids and, uh, you know, wherever you are, that you can make your life count. And you can say to God, you know, I'll take this hill country. What hill country will that be? And mm -hmm. so I know with us, you know, obviously being married almost 40 years and being in the ministry almost 40 years, that's a long time, you know, staring at retirement, you know, when that's going to happen, you know, 
like, but still wanting that I'm, I want to make a difference. I want to make my life count for whatever amount of time that God gives me. You know, I want to be like Caleb and Caleb realized that, yeah, I'm 85, but God is the one that brought me here. God is the one that will give me this hill country, you know, and I'll go take out those Amalekites, Anakites or whatever they were. I'm going to take them out because God wants me to do it. Hmm. So I just know for me, it's like, okay, yeah. People talk about great faith and making this, this life count, but it's like, it's every individual person making that decision because i think we can look at other people's lives and we can go you know what i want i want what they have in their spiritual walk or their whatever they're doing their impact that they're having but that's not what god wants he wants you to decide on what how you're going to make an impact how you're going to make your life count it can't be somebody else's life that you want Mm. um so anyway yeah, that in. and I would say, Rob, too, to, to wanting to have an impact with your life is, you know, for me, you know, even at this point, you know, I, I mean, I, I still, yes, give me that hill country. Uh, I still hang on to that that dream. Um, but it's it's like I want to keep the connection with God. You know, I want to keep that closeness with him and. I want to be an individual that God brings the kingdom through, you know, in other words, I, I, that's still my passion and my dream is to let the kingdom of God be seen in me. And that's what drives me. So it's, it may mean, you know, you know, number one, that every person I come in contact with, I want them to see Jesus somehow. I want, you know, they may see it through my joy, they may see it through my, they may feel it through my love or me serving them or giving to them, or, or they may see it and feel it and experience through me forgiving them, you know? Um, but I want the kingdom of God to be seen in, you know, uh, and that's what drives me. And that's, and if you, if for people that, uh, you know, that are looking to, I want to have an impact, you know, with my life, you know, pray to stay connected with God so that God is your foundation, that God is your motivation, and God is your inspiration. There you go. There's even a sermon for you. But, uh, <laughs> but really, that God is God is that foundation for you. But, you know, and that everyone that I meet, that they see Christ. That's all. So you don't put the pressure that I've got to change this person or that I've, you've got to have this result or whatever, but that you're, you will have an impact. If your heart's desire and your prayer is, I want to stay connected and, and close to God. And I want everybody I come in contact with to see a little bit of Jesus, wow. you know, and that, and you'll, you'll figure that out. You know, that may be that you're inviting and sharing your faith, you know, uh, to people. It might be that I'm going to serve this person. It may be that I'm going to give to this person in another way. It may be that I'm, I'm you know, it, it, it could mean all types of things, but I, but if that's your heart, that's your dream. I just want people to feel Jesus. And sometimes they just need to see somebody that's self-controlled <laughs> and somebody that's not striking back. And then they need to see someone 
that is humble and loving. And that's how you can have an impact, you know, on them because they're, you know, they're expecting something different, perhaps, you know, if they're responding in a bad way. Uh, but again, that's how you have impact is letting mm -hmm. them, letting them see Christ. And mm -hmm. you can let them see Christ as you're surrendering your life to his will. Ronald Vanya, thank you so much for the time together today. It's just very inspiring and surpassed my expectations of, of what I was anticipating and talking to you today. So all the best going forward. Wow. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Rob. Thank you so much for having us. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining the Rob Skinner podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast, please hit the subscribe button and let your friends know about it and how to find it. Because my goal is to inspire you to make this life count, live a no regrets life, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. Have a great day and make this life count.